0: comparatively minuscule. True, uptime technology was spreading much more widely and rapidly than the uptimers themselves. But for most people, that technology was still on a level with Cress's flashlight. One or two minor gadgets. Even an uptime rifle was nothing more than a temporarily handy gadget in the long run, except insofar as it could be at least partially duplicated. For all of their partiality toward the uptimers, There were some things about the Americans that irritated Cressa and his people. What they'd heard of them, rather. Except for Anna Piesel, none of them had ever met an American in person, and Anna's contact had been brief and incidental. She'd literally bumped into the man as he came out of a tavern she was entering in Zalfelt. He'd said, Excuse me, in heavily accented Ami Deutsch, and gone on his way. The great gift the uptimers had given rebels throughout the Germanies indeed throughout Europe, was simply being living proof that rebellion against the established order was not only possible and justified, but even, you might say, ordained by history. The biggest irritant was that the Americans seemed to assume blithely, ignorantly, and arrogantly that they needed to bring the word of revolution to the benighted and backward Germans. That was a bit absurd as well as aggravating— given that the Germans had had more in the way of rebellions and revolts over the past two centuries than the Americans had ever experienced. Just to name one example, their leader, Georg Kresser was the descendant of one of the leaders of the peasant war a century ago. Nor were those two Kresses unusual. Another relative, Hans Kresser, one of Georg's cousins, had been one of the leaders in the town of Mela when they drove out the soldiers who had been occupying it. It was a minor irritant, however— and there was always the possibility that the attitudes of the americans had become distorted in the process of being passed on here in the mountains of the folkland in southwestern saxony Kresse and his rebels had been isolated from the developments that had swept over thuringia and the northerly germanies after the ring of fire to add to the problems the enemy against whom they were fighting the elector of saxony john george had been officially an ally of the americans and the swedes true The Alliance hadn't been a very friendly one, even before John George betrayed Gustav Adolf at the start of the Ostend War. Still, it had apparently been enough for the uptimers to keep a distance from Saxon rebels. Happily, that situation was now ending. Emperor Gustav Adolf's long-expected invasion of Saxony and Brandenburg was imminent, and that would transform the entire situation. Cressa and his people had hopes that, thereafter— the more admirable qualities of the uptimers would come to the fore. But that remained to be seen. In the meantime, Georg Kresser had business to attend to. He turned to Kuffer. Summon the men, Wilhelm. Kuffer didn't bother to ask why. Given Kresser, the answer was a foregone conclusion. He was a harsh man when all was said and done. There was no way he would allow a band of deserters from Hulk's army to pass through the Upper Vogtland unpunished. There were certain obligations involved as well. Heinrich Hulk was one of the worst examples of the sort of condottieri who had risen to prominence during the long wars since the Austrian emperor defeated the Bohemian Protestants at the Battle of the White Mountain in November of 1620. He had been born into a family of Danish Protestants, but had switched his faith and allegiance to the Habsburgs, when that suited his advancement as a professional soldier. He'd switched allegiance again, and sided with Wallenstein when he seized power in Bohemia. Not satisfied with a mere triple cross, Hulk then tried to stab Wallenstein in the back by seizing and plundering Prague when Wallenstein led his army out to confront the Austrians at the Second Battle of the White Mountain. But he'd been foiled— by an alliance of uptimers and the large Jewish community in Prague. Upon hearing that a victorious Wallenstein was on his way back to Prague, Hulk had immediately fled north to Saxony, where he had offered the services of his army to the Saxon elector, John George. Demonstrating once again his seemingly bottomless stupidity, John George had accepted the offer and placed Hulk in charge of maintaining order in the Folkland. Since then, Hulke, a man sometimes described as a one eyed drunken mass murderer, had turned the unrest in the Folkland into outright rebellion with his rapacious brutality. Holt's army was notorious for committing atrocities.